I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Indie Football Podcast in association with Paddy Power. I am Ed Malian, uh, your host and sports editor of The Independent. And uh, we are live again, World Cup Daily from Moscow. Uh, I'm alone again tonight, but um, we've got uh, a few guests for you to break down today's action, uh, which of course uh, saw the final games of the group stage. So we've lost 16 of our 32 teams now, um, but most importantly, I guess, uh, we saw England Belgium. So we'll get straight into that. Uh, Belgium were the winners uh, in that one. It was a, a single goal from Adnan Yanazai. Uh, in a very peculiar game played out in Kaliningrad. In the other game, if you're interested, Tunisia beat Panama 2-1 to get their first points of the competition. Uh, But I could talk you through England-Belgium. I'm sure you've all watched it, but it's probably better to hear from the guys who were in Kaliningrad for the game. So I'll hand you over to Jack and Miguel, and we'll go over it afterwards. Hi, it's uh, Jack and Miguel outside the stadium in Kaliningrad, where we just saw england nil, belgium nil. No, we, one nil, one nil Belgium. Oh, a game, fuck, a game sorry, so yeah. forgettable that yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a genuine mistake. That wasn't even like a, a, a game. Um, that was terrible. It was a really, really bad game. Um, it was. I mean, I don't know if it's the worst game of the tournament. I haven't seen every game. I was, I was it, at France Denmark, and it was bad. This, this was France Denmark was the least kind of. You can, yeah. <laughs> this is just farce. It, it was so skewed by the whole the whole debate about finishing first and second. Um, and it was such a strange game. Yeah. And also, the fact we're in Kaliningrad, apart from the rest of Russia, kind of fostered, further fostered this feeling this was a match apart from the rest of the tournament. Because to go from the chaos, the brilliant chaos of the last few days, to that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was as different as you can get from Argentina 2, Nigeria 1 at St. in St. Petersburg, which I did a few days ago. It felt like a sort of weird, weird testimonial or like a, a game for a sort of slightly suspect charity. <laughs> or, uh, just a kind of, yeah, sort of odd game that you would find on a on a funny TV channel. Like it was no tempo, no real enthusiasm. The fans lost interest in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, the Belgian fans cheering their players yeah, getting booked was. There was no response from England after they conceded. Really, I mean, they kind of he sort of threw on Danny Welbeck towards the end, but I mean, if he was really, if Southgate really was chasing the game, yeah. then he would have put on Harry Kane. Yeah, exactly. Or. Um, so yeah, I, the the match as a match was terrible. There's not a bit. I mean, there's nothing we may as well talk about. Really, there's no, like, yeah. it, it's a, it was of no consequence. Yeah. Uh, if, was, you, if you haven't seen the goals, don't look them up. Yeah. Don't look up the highlights. <laughs> don't read the match reports. You know, there's plenty yeah. of more interesting stuff on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what was interesting though was Roberto Martinez's reaction. He, he didn't exactly celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because. Like obviously, all all people were thinking about all game was what this means for what comes next. Yeah. And had results gone differently, then it would have been obvious that you would rather come second than first. That is, if you could play Japan and then yeah. the winner of um, 
Sweden and Switzerland. But the reality that of Colombia winning the group and Japan coming mm. second is that now, now the is, is, is the picture became a bit a bit more complicated, didn't it? In the sense that you get either Colombia then an easier game, or Japan then a harder game. But if if like England, you haven't been to a semi-final of any competition in 22 years, you haven't been to a quarter-final of any competition in six years and suffered some, some of your worst tournaments in the meantime, do you have the right to be looking at the what you think is the easiest path to the semis uh, but risk this much more difficult last 16 game? Well, yeah, I mean, that is the big... That is one of the, the criticisms made of England's choice. Um, I think it's a big risk. It's a big... I mean... Because they now have to be Colombia. Yeah. Like there were, they can't, they can't not be Colombia having chosen, having chosen to, pl- having effectively chosen to play there. Yeah. For the sake of an easier quarterfinal, I and mean, I know that's not, you know, Southgate says mm. we can't look too far ahead, but that is the reality of the situation. Yeah. Do you reckon they'll do it? I think a lot depends on how much. I, mean, yeah, I was actually talking to a uh, Colombian journalist tonight, who thinks he's in real danger of missing the game. I still I mean a lot of talk that, that there's been some talk already that if Hamas doesn't play if, oh, England are back full favourites again I wouldn't quite agree with that especially with the form Falco's in um, but it's interesting as you know as you know even the press conference we maybe there hasn't been a shift in public mood yet I mean there's still a bit of a lot of optimism around England I think but there has been a slight shift among the press pack towards Southgate, hasn't there? Yeah, I mean, I do think that... I mean, I haven't read everything yet, but I do think there's going to be some... Bye. Bye. There's going to be some one, criticism... One of the volunteers hanging by to us. There's going to be some criticism... This, this is, of course, Kaliningrad's last night, so uh, there's a bit of a presentation towards all, 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 oh, yeah. all the volunteers. I mean, this is going to be one of the big... Uh... Sorry, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about... <laughs> oh no, the, pre- the press oh, yeah. press there is going to be some criticism of Southgate in tomorrow's newspaper sorry, that is Friday's newspapers of his decision um, and I think that's fair I mean for me when I think about this like I don't like I get why Southgate did what he did hmm. like I mean obviously I understand I understand the issues and you know I, but I think there's a bigger issue like I actually asked Southgate in the press conference if he thinks he has like a moral responsibility to the fans and to the competition as a whole to try you know to try his best yeah. to win every game and I, so I completely get where he's coming from and he, you know, he's just said it's a very difficult he said it's a decision that he has to take as the manager mm. you know he's the one who has to balance up these things and I get it I do get it but I just disagree yeah. I, yeah, I, for me what's really stood out after watching that game not so much even playing your second team whatever that it's that when in game there's any sort of debate about whether winning a football match is the best option yeah. once that happens it, the game is a farce Completely, yeah. Um, Because, like, all all sport, like, all sport mm. is based on this presumption, this kind of, this presumption that both teams are trying their absolute best to win the game. Mm. Like, that that is what it all hinges on. And if you don't Mm. have that, like, that's the pressure that keeps the bridge up. Like, if you don't have that, then it it collapses. And that's what we saw tonight. It wasn't Mm. actual, it wasn't, like, recognisable sport. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, Do we think... FIFA now is that something they have to look at? It's a bit. I, I I do quite like this idea that was. I think it was Nate Silver about, you know, it should be an, a Champions League style draw. Basically, you're either a first seed or a second seed, and that's it. Now there are logistical problems there. You'd have to have at least a three day break between the yeah. group stage and last sixteen, uh, and you, you could I suppose plan out the whole tournament from there. So so, sorry, I, so I, th- I think it's a good idea. So that that idea, if you're not familiar mm-hmm. with it, is that you won't pre-draw the bracket for the yeah. knockout rounds. You'll do the group stage, 
you'll have like obviously you'll have the stadiums mm. and times booked and everything but then you will randomly draw yeah. at the end of the group stage who plays which first team which first places play which second places in the knockout and take it from there mm. um it's funny, I, I kind of think it all boils down to logistics. I think you definitely could do it in Qatar, mm. where everyone will be within a few miles yeah. of each other, so it won't really affect flight like, bookings yeah. and hotels. For, for, I, te- for team prep as well, I don't think it, it, it makes that much of a difference, because ultimately, most teams w- won't know until at least after their second game, or after sometimes after yeah. their third game, which would be exactly the same case, where they're going to be for the last 16. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you could do it for the USA, Canada, Mexico, mm. just because you can't... Mm. If you've got like 50,000 Argentina fans, they don't know if they're going to be in, yeah. in Vancouver or, Mex- or Mexico City. Then it's, it's harder. Um, I mean, it, obviously, for, you know, the FA would have had two parallel mm. sets of plans, mm. going either flying to Rostov on Sunday mm. to play on Monday, or what's now easier is either flying or taking the train to Moscow on Monday to play on Tuesday. So, I mean, in, in England now have that extra day off and the less travel that they'd all, that Belgium have been hoping to snap yeah. off themselves. So it's, it, maybe that's a positive for England, or of course Colombia will get that too. But I have to say, my overall impression of tonight is that it was not a great night of football and also put Southgate in a yeah. difficult position uh, because they now have to beat Colombia yeah. or it's a, it's a big failure and it's yeah. on him. Roll on the last 16. Thank you. Roll on the last 16 indeed, uh, where England, as the guy said, will face Colombia. Colombia came through uh, Group H, which was the final group, uh, with a 1-0 win over Senegal today, that was uh, a game that w- was goalless at half-time. It didn't look like it was going anywhere. Colombia marginally the better team. But then Yeri Mina, the uh, Barcelona centre-back, who's had a, a tough season as an actual defender. But he rose to score a brilliant header to settle that game. Japan, who in a peculiar peculiar move, rested a lot of their best players um, for the game against already eliminated Poland. Lost 1-0 to Poland. Now, that included uh, Japan resting all four of the players that have scored goals for them uh, so far this tournament. But, uh, supposedly, that was because um, the coach thought the game was played in too hot temperature and he wanted to have some fresh legs in there. The uh, I think they said it was the hottest game of the competition so far, uh, down in Volgograd. But yeah, Jan Bednarek, who... Uh, you might not have heard too much about, but was at Southampton last year. He scored the winning goal for Poland. So in the end, that group went extremely tight and Colombia ended up topping it uh, with uh, the win today. It takes them up to six points. But Japan and Senegal could not be separated right down to yellow cards, which is where Japan uh, win on fair play. So uh, Japan with one win, one draw, one loss go through Senegal, devastated to go out on fair play. You know, it's as hard as it gets. Uh, and uh, it's never happened before, I think. And Poland, on three points, um, finished bottom of the group. So, as I say, that means uh, Colombia will play England. And it means that Belgium will play Japan. So, uh, having watched Colombia today, I got uh, Michael Cox of zonalmarking.net who is writing some tactical columns for us throughout this uh, World Cup on the biggest games. I got him to watch the Colombia game today in anticipation of this and he uh, not only wrote the column which you can read on the website early in the morning but he also uh, called in earlier and gave us a little kind of one minute hit on what you can expect from Colombia when they face England next Tuesday. 
I think Colombia's quality really depends on whether James is fit. If he is, then they've got a wealth of attacking options with him, Quintero, who has played as the number 10 with James drifting inside. Then they've got Cuadrado on the right and Falcao up front, who I think in this country is seen very much as a, a goal scorer and a goal scorer alone, but his all-round play in this tournament has been very good, coming deep and linking play and winning free kicks. If James is out, I think that uh, Colombia a bit more structured, a bit more basic, um, with width on either side. I think the, the main questions really will be uh, defensively for Colombia. They've looked shaky at the back. Davidson Sanchez and uh, Yeri Mina are both very, very quick, but they don't really seem to have a great relationship. They're covering a lot of space behind the fullbacks. And I think really a, a big part of it for for England will be getting midfield runners in behind. And, um, you know, Sanchez depends a lot on his recovery pace. And I think he probably will have to against England because England have been so good at getting particularly Lingard in behind the defence. And I think that's really where they can cause Colombia some problems. So Michael thinks that England will cause Colombia some issues. And I think uh, having seen them a couple of times during this competition, I think they're a very good side. And uh, if you look at the team without James, uh, it is much weaker. Uh, he is um, obviously an absolute star for them. He, he has struggled with injuries over the season. He had about a month out uh with a calf problem when he was at Bayern on loan from uh, Real Madrid. And what eventually happened was uh, he got fit enough, but he missed the opening game. If you remember, he was on the bench for the opening game, which is where uh, Juan Fernando Quintero, who Coxie just mentioned just then, uh, Quintero got the start and and was actually quite impressive. But then we had uh, Rodriguez coming in for the second game because they'd lost to Japan. So Rodriguez played not looking fully fit. He didn't move with much fluidity, but he did play that incredible pass that we talked about where he swept it from the left flank through for Juan Cuadrado to run onto. Uh, I always kind of stumble over that name. But uh, yes, James um, went off today after 30 minutes uh, with a recurrence of that calf injury. Jose Peckerman, the Colombia coach, said, uh, what I can say is I'm extremely concerned. It's a very tough situation for my team. I don't want to address this in comments because it's one of these topics that can overshadow everything else. In the last polar match, James felt fatigue, but it was only fatigue and that was due to him not playing in the previous match. He trained normally for us until yesterday. He stayed on afterwards, practicing, finishing, free kicks, penalties as normal. and He was fully fit. There was no hint of any injury. But right now, to be honest, I just don't know where he stands. So, Jose Peckerman, as he says, very concerned. Um... England won't be concerned by that. I think uh, it's a huge boost for them. It's a pretty 50-50 game uh, without Hamez, or sorry, with Hamez playing. Without Hamez, I think it tips slightly in England's favour. But as Jack alluded to, Gareth Southgate uh, not going to get universal praise for, for resting those players. Uh, certainly the back of the Daily Mail uh, for, for Friday morning uh, is saying it, uh, it's not a school day. It's not a school sports day, it's the World Cup, Gareth. So uh, there are people who are unimpressed, and the only way, of course, to get over those criticisms will be to win a a knockout game. And they haven't won a knockout game at a major tournament, remember, since uh, beating Ecuador in 2006. So uh, let's just go over the quick round of 16. So France will play Argentina, and Uruguay will play Portugal. Those games are on Saturday and the winners of those will play each other, setting up, as we uh, we kind of mentioned the other day, 
potentially the Messi versus Ronaldo quarterfinal. Spain play Russia on Sunday at the Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow, uh, so that'll be very heavily in Russia's favour. And Croatia play Denmark later that day. Uh, the winners of those games, uh, who you'd expect to be Spain and Denmark, Spain and Croatia, sorry, but you can't rule out Denmark. I think uh, they will play in a quarterfinal. Brazil play Mexico in Samara on Monday, and then Belgium play Japan in Rostov. The winner of those two will play each other, so you're looking at potentially Brazil-Belgium quarterfinal. Brazil-Belgium played each other in 2002 in the round of 16. The winner went on to play England in the next round, which was the, the famous Ronaldinho game. And then the final pairing is Sweden versus Switzerland and Colombia versus England. Uh, Sweden versus Switzerland in St. Petersburg on Tuesday afternoon, and then Colombia versus England which is at the Spartak Stadium in Moscow, right here on Tuesday night, um, in what may well be uh, mine and Critch's final night in Moscow, dependent on England's progress. So there are your round of 16 games. It means we lose uh, 16 teams. We lose Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Iran, Morocco, Peru, Australia, Nigeria, Iceland, Serbia, Costa Rica, South Korea, Germany, Tunisia, Panama, Senegal and Poland and we've got quite a lot of good stuff on the website about Germany if you want to read more into why and how on earth this happened um, we've also got uh, an interesting piece I wrote uh, going around Moscow today, some of the Brazilian songs um, on the Moscow streets and, and what they actually tell us about England rather than anyone else um, I wrote a piece about the transformative nature of the World Cup not just for the, the teams that do well, but actually for these teams that are going home. And, and the stories there, uh, as we discussed, the Iranian keeper who, you know, before this tournament was a homeless guy who was going to play at the World... a formerly homeless guy who was going to play at the World Cup. And now he's that goalkeeper who saved the penalty from Cristiano Ronaldo. There are a lot of stories like that which kind of uh, show how the World Cup can change people's lives, even if you play for a team that loses all three games. Um, Felipe Beloy of Panama also uh, springs to mind. We've got a big uh, Spain preview from Miguel looking ahead already to that game, uh, especially with reference to uh, the historic clash they had with the USSR back in the day. Um, it's, a, it's a good read. It's a long read, but uh, you're going to enjoy it. Um, and the other football news of the day is that Wayne Rooney has joined DC United. Um, so if you've listened all the way till the end for that nugget, then you will absolutely uh, love tomorrow's episode because there's going to be more of us on here. There's going to be uh, a lot more for you. Uh, Until then, I guess, uh, thank you for listening as ever. Um, I got an email today, a little peek behind the curtain. I got an email today from our uh, shadowy figures uh, in the upstairs offices uh, saying that the podcast is flying in terms of numbers and uh, we're getting lots of interest from sponsors. So um, that's uh, obviously not all the be-all and end-all, but what we're loving is that everyone's listening to the podcast every morning. So uh, we're going to keep doing it. And uh, I guess that means see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.